That's just our way of making sure that you're all awake this morning. <laughs> if you would please pray with me, Heavenly Father. Oh, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come together as your church, as your family, and worship you and learn from you. I pray, Lord, that this day the words of my mouth be the very words of your heart, that you would use them by the power of your Holy Spirit to help us learn and grow in you. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the message that your spirit would speak to us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, there are a number of things that I have been missing as we navigate together through these COVID mitigations and restrictions. I miss not wearing a mask, first of all. I miss traveling. I miss going to concerts. I miss going to the movies. You know, one of the first things that Carl and I did um, on one of our very first dates is we went to the movies to see the movie Tootsie back in the early 80s. Remember that one with Dustin Hoffman? And while I love the entertainment of the actual movie, I have to admit that my favorite part of every single movie is the blooper reel at the end. I will sit through all of those credits and stick around to the end just hoping that I'm going to get to see a blooper reel because they are so funny and they just they pick up my soul and make me laugh. But you don't have to wonder if they are quite that funny to the actors who actually made those bloopers or whether they're just a reminder of the frustration of trying to get it right while they were making the movie and yet not getting it quite right. I wonder how many of you have ever had a time in your life when you were frustrated because you kept trying to do something over and over and over again and just couldn't get it right the story of my life personally but I'll tell you my daughter Melissa when she was oh second third grade she was trying to learn how to read she had a really hard time focusing her attention and she stumbled a lot and she would get so frustrated trying to sound out those words that she would cry and want to give the whole thing up but then God sent a helper into her life. Mrs. Cameron, who was Melissa's third grade teacher at Aspen Elementary School. And Mrs. Cameron encouraged my daughter and talked her through her frustration and gave her little tips to help her. And she cheered her on and she kept me abreast of what was going on and how she was pro progressing. And it was a game changer for my daughter. Even though there was something that was frustrating her because she couldn't do it on her own, there was a helper, an encourager, who, if Melissa would just receive the help, took away the frustration. And that's where we're going today. As we walk through Romans uh, chapter 8 with our study partner, Tom Halliday, we have so many frustrations in this life. It's true, but it's also true that we're not left alone to deal with them because there is a spirit, the spirit of God that is at work inside of you. That spirit is a helper, an encourager, who, if we will just receive the help, can take away our frustration. So last week, we jumped back a little bit. We started in the beginning of chapter 8, but we jumped back into chapter 7 
And we saw Paul paint this picture of what it looks like to try to be a good follower of Christ in this sinful world, in these sinful bodies. And I am going to read it to you once more because herein lies a great big part of the frustration that you and I all encounter as Christians. And here's what Paul says. He says, starting in verse 19, for I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Through my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am, Paul said. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul is frustrated because he doesn't want to slip up. He doesn't want to stumble and fall and fail and sin. And yet he does over and over again. How many of us can identify with Paul's frustration? I know I can. But here's the thing. Paul goes on in chapter 8 to say that because of the work of the Holy Spirit, whom we received when we trusted Jesus, there is no frustration. There is no frustration. First, because through the Spirit, we have a new nature. Paul says this in 8.4. He says, we do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the flesh, what the flesh desires. But those who live according with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So what Paul is saying to us in these verses is that there are two kinds of people. Those who are following after the flesh who are doing what their sinful nature wants to do, and those who are following after the Spirit, those who are doing what God wants them to do. And there's no middle ground here. Paul says you cannot have one foot in each boat. Either you're following the sinful nature or you're following the Spirit. And here's the really cool part. You get to choose. You get to choose whether you're following the flesh or following the Spirit. I had a dog. A rescue dog, she was a black lab, her name was Roxy. And she could do something that no other dog I have ever met could do. She could deny herself in order to please me. Okay, so let me explain. When we first got this dog, we taught her to sit. And, you know, I'd give her a cookie and, and we would show off. We would put on shows. I would say, Rox, sit, and she would sit. I would say, Rox, dance, and she would get up and dance around on her hind legs, right? I would say, Rocks, speak, and she would bark, and I'd give her a cookie, and we'd fuss over her, and everybody would clap. It was like a little show. My brother Tom said to me one time, that is not impressive. Every dog can do that. You want to impress me? Teach her to play dead when you shoot her with a gun. So we taught her. Rocks, bang, bang, dog would roll over and play dead. That was not even impressive. This was impressive. I could take a piece of steak or a doggy tree, and I could put it right here on her nose. And I would say to her, no not yet. And she would do that thing that I think no other dog would be able to do. She denied her inner dog instinct to get that piece of steak. And she just let it sit there. 
dog's nature tells them to eat the steak. But Rox, she would look up at me. And when she was looking at me, she overcame the nature of her flesh. And then I would say, get it, girl. And she would flip it up and catch it in her mouth. And she would get that delicious steaky reward. And lots of praise and lots of encouragement from me because her master was pleased. Now, here's the thing. You and I are like that, too. We have a choice. We can either listen to the flesh, that's our sinful nature, or we can lift our eyes and look to the spirit and listen to the spirit. Now, I promise that when we do, our master is pleased with us. And we don't just get a little piece of steak as our reward. I tell you, the reward is unimaginable. So there are three facts that I want you to take from these verses about us having a new nature. And the first one is that you get to choose the power according to which you will live. You get to choose the power according to which you will live. Paul says this, those who live according to the flesh, and he said there are those who live according to the spirit. You get to choose what you attach yourself to. Think of a train car, right? A train car doesn't really move anywhere on its own. It moves in the direction of the uh, engine that it's attached to. And that engine will determine where the car goes. So my question this morning is, what are you attaching yourself to? To the sinful nature, to your way of doing things, or to the spirit, God's way of doing things? Because the power that you attach yourself to the, is the power according to which you live. It's going to drive your direction. It's going to determine what you do. It's going to determine where you go. You get to choose it. Fact number two, your choice will determine your thinking. Okay? Your choice is going to determine your thinking. And your thinking is going to drive your actions. So in other words, if you choose to live according to the sinful nature, then your thoughts are going to manifest themselves in sinful and selfish actions right? But if you choose to live according to the spirit, then your thoughts are going to trend towards spiritual things. What are the spiritual things you might ask? Well, think about all the things that Jesus has told us to do. Love your neighbor, show forgiveness, help the hurting. When we live according to the spirit, folks, we look more like Jesus than we do like the rest of the world. And when we live according to the spirit, we think more like Jesus than we do like the rest of the world. Your choice determines your thinking. And fact number three, your thinking determines your life. In fact, the words that are used here in this scripture by Paul are death or life. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Now notice that it doesn't say will be, it says is life and peace. It's talking about your experience in the here and the now. If everything you do in your life is driven by your need to please the self, then things will never be good enough for you in this life because the self cannot be satisfied. And so Paul says, you're doomed. It's not life-giving. The mind of sinful man is death. And Paul says that the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. That doesn't mean you're angry with God. Like, I get hostile when I get angry. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul is saying that if you're trying to please your flesh, then you're keeping God at arm's length. 
You're not giving everything over to God, but you're keeping some aspects of your life for yourself. That's what it is. That's what Paul is saying it is to be hostile, hostile to God. And I wonder how many of us have an area in our lives that we just keep God at arm's length and don't give him complete control. That's the hostility that Paul is talking about. And when we do that, we will never be truly fulfilled or satisfied. But if you're driven by the Spirit, Paul says, and you think like the Spirit of God, then you will have life and peace because you're not always striving to please the self. That's how you can have peace. And Paul isn't just talking about peace with God. He's talking also about the peace of God. You can be at peace because that is a fruit that the Holy Spirit that's living in you brings to your life. We don't have it on our own, but the Spirit gifts us with peace. And when we have peace, we have life, the life that God wants us to have. So let me sum those things up. Thinking comes before doing. Your thoughts are going to drive your actions. Proverbs tells us, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they, right? Paul says, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your thinking determines your actions. It comes before your doing. If you want to do something differently, folks, we got to think differently. And these verses tell us that we do that by depending on God's spirit. But there's another part to this, because being comes before thinking. You cannot think differently except that you are a different person. Track with me here, okay? The idea that the same old person can just think differently, it's absurd. And so God gives us a new way of thinking by making us a new person, which brings me back to point number one. You, through the Holy Spirit, have a new nature. You are a different person than you were before you had the Spirit of God living in you. The challenge here, because remember the choice is yours, is that you would live according to that Spirit, that new nature, and not the old. So you have a new nature. Another reason there's no frustration when you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you is that the Spirit not just gives you a new nature, but the Spirit gives you a new power. How do you live in the power of God's Holy Spirit? I'm going to share with you three words that help us moving, move from living in the flesh, in our sinful nature, to living in the power of God's Spirit. And they are control, ownership, and obligation. I'm going to go through them pretty quickly. Paul says in verse 8 and 9, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit of God, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Controlled. If we're going to live in the power of God's Spirit, we got to give up control. I struggle with that. Anybody else struggle with that? I like to be in control. I like to drive the bus, okay? But when I'm so busy controlling what's going on in my life, then guess what? I'm not letting God have control. I'm keeping him at arm's length. And remember, Paul says that's hostile to God, right? I'm reminded of this very often when I'm driving in the car with Carl. Now, I love my man. I do. But he does drive like a granny. He does the speed limit, always. And he's not really a big fan of that left lane. You know that passing lane? 
but he is a big fan of the stop sign. I know that because when I'm in a hurry to get somewhere, we linger at the stop sign. And sometimes I find myself in the passenger seat hitting that imaginary accelerator to like get the car to go. Or sometimes I'm like leaning like this, trying as if I would be able to tilt the car into the faster left lane. And it's hard for me to give up control. And yet Carl always gets us there safely and in one piece. And that man always has a smile on his face that lets me know that I don't always have to be in charge of the vehicle. He is trustworthy and he's level-headed and he's got this and it is okay to let him drive. And so Paul is saying in verses 8 and 9 to let the spirit drive, let the spirit be in control. In other words, let go and let God. How often have we heard that? Conversely, how often have we done that? Mm. So we can't say to God, okay, God, you go ahead and drive, and then try and keep our hands on the steering wheel. We, having a new power means letting that spirit take control. Now, how do we do that? How do we let the spirit take control? Remember my dog who had the choice to listen to her old nature or to, to listen to me? And she fixed her eyes and her attention on what I was directing her to do. She was able to do that because she trusted that I loved her. And that I was going to ultimately give her what was good for her. So giving up control means trusting. And it's the same for you and me. Fix your eyes. Fix your attention on the direction of the spirit. And then when you have the choice to listen to you or listen to the spirit, listen to the spirit because the spirit of God loves you. The spirit is trustworthy and level-headed. And the spirit's got this. We have to trust. Ownership. Listen to these words. Paul says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then the spirit is in you. And the spirit I like the way Warren Wearsby describes life in the spirit in these verses. He says that the stages of having a new power in your life are like this. First, you have not the spirit. That's verses 5 to 8 in Paul's chapter. Then when you have Christ, you have the spirit. That's verses 9 to 11. But it's not complete until verses 12 to 17 when the spirit has you. That's ownership. You're marked as God's own. So Paul talks about control and ownership and obligation. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, Paul says, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So you have no obligation to your sinful nature. No obligation. It doesn't say there won't be any temptation. It doesn't say no temptation. It says no obligation. So you're still going to have temptation, but you have no obligation to follow the temptation. God has made a way out for you, and you can now take the way out through the power of the Spirit that lives in you. Remember last week we talked about how the enemy just keeps coming after us and coming after us and tempting and taunting and tormenting us until we finally give in to it. And God is saying today, I have given you a power over that temptation and an obligation to follow my direction in your life and not that of the enemy. It happens little by little, folks. It's not something that just happens overnight when we receive the Lord and we receive the Spirit. It happens choice by choice that you make in your life. God will work in your life through every single choice you make in following the Spirit. 
to bring you closer to perfection and to make you more like his son. I want you to think in your mind about the Grand Canyon and what that looks like and how it was formed because it is big and it is beautiful and it is miraculous to behold, is it not? But it wasn't formed overnight. That canyon was formed by the gentle erosion of a river that flowed through it day after day, year after year, century after century. It was made beautiful slowly. And God wants to make in you a grand canyon-like change. And it starts with every choice you make, every direction you follow. As the Spirit of God flows in and through you, your job, your obligation is to trust and let God. You have a new spirit. You have a new nature. You have a new power. And guess what else you have in the spirit? You have a new father. This is my favorite part. This is my favorite part. Listen to what Paul writes. He says, because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies that we are God's children. If we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. Paul says, when you and I trust and in Jesus, and when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive a spirit of sonship. Now I'm going to talk for a second on behalf of us girls. Why doesn't Paul say sonship and daughtership? Because sonship is the word that Paul uses for all of us, no matter if we're men or if we're women. And here's why. Back then, it was the son who got all the inheritance. Daughters didn't inherit anything. It was the son who got the inheritance. So this is saying, no matter if you're a man or a woman, a son or a daughter of God, you all get sonship because you all get the inheritance that God has for you, the spirit that's living in you. And then it says these most beautiful and wonderful and incredible words, by God's spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Just as Jesus did in Mark 14, 36, he said, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours, right? Remember Jesus said that? What does that mean for you and me? Abba, Abba is the Aramaic word, and pater, father, is the Greek word for father. And the fact that they are side by side here means that the Jew and the Gentile are both included. That's good news for us. We are all, all invited into the sonship through the spirit of God whom we receive when we trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. God is the father for all of us. And let me tell you what else it means, okay? Abba was the informal word. It meant daddy. It means daddy. It means tenderness. It means protection. It means love and acceptance. It means familiarity and closeness. When I was little and I was scared of nonsensical things like monsters in my closet, I would call out to my daddy in the middle of the night and he would come into my room and put his strong arms around me and hug me and say, it is okay to be afraid, but I'm here and I'll make sure everything is okay. He didn't yell at me for being scared. He was my and instead, he gave me comfort. Through the Spirit of God, you and I can call out, Abba, Daddy, and receive that same acceptance and closeness and comfort and love. And Pater, Father, that's authority. 
that's direction. It's teaching and it's guiding. So through the Spirit, we can cry, Father, and know that God will lovingly direct us and teach us with tender authority over us. We need them both, folks. We need intimacy and authority. We need to feel close and stand in awe. And by God's Holy Spirit, we've been given that. We can cry, Abba, Father. Folks, you and I do not need to have frustration when it comes to living rightly because we have a new nature, we have a new power, and we have got a new Father. All we need to do, all we need to do is listen and learn and follow that spirit. The choice is yours. What are you going to attach yourself to?